0: Andy, friends, thank you for that word of confession and witness. Uh, thank you for that and for leading us in worship today. Today we begin a new study in the book of Haggai. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Haggai chapter 1. Uh, in my Bible, it's on a page 1157. Uh, you, may, you may need your indexes today if you dropped out a Bible drill years ago. It's a book of the Bible that doesn't get a lot of sermon time or attention, but it's a a good one and a beautiful one and one for us over the next few weeks. Haggai chapter 1. Hear the word of the Lord. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet of Zerubbabel, the son of Shelthiel, governor of Judah. And to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time? For you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses, and the temple lies in ruin. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm, and he who earns wages... "'earns wages to put in a bag with holes. "'Thus says the Lord of hosts, "'Consider your ways. "'Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the temple "'that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified,' "'says the Lord. "'You look for much, but indeed it came to little, "'and when you brought it home, I blew it away.'" Why? Why? says the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house, therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Let's pray. Our good, our faithful, and our holy God, it truly is a privilege to gather in this room on this Lord's Day and to by faith to declare that you are our Lord and our God, that we are your people. Lord, that means something. It means that our core identity is swept up in yours. It means that we've been made different by your mercy and that you've called us to a certain way of life. You've called us to place you first in all things to set you as the, the treasure and the priority of our lives. Lord, today as we come to your word, you will speak again how important it is to center our way on yours, to seek your kingdom above all. Lord, we thank you for being who you are. We thank you for being the God that is God. We thank you for your kindness toward us. We thank you that you call us your sons and daughters because of the amazing grace demonstrated on the cross of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you're working in our lives day by day, moment by moment, to mold us and shape us and to make us more like Jesus. And so, Lord, take your word and do that even now. To this end, Lord, we come to you and we ask you to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us hearts that are tender that would receive your word like a seed planted in good soil. Give us feet that would walk quickly to do your will. Lord, make our hands strong that our work in this world would be as your own. And God, when we leave this place this morning, our prayer is that a word of life and hope would be found on our lips. A word of witness. God, this is our prayer in the beautiful and the mighty name of Jesus. And we pray together saying, amen and amen. Friends, please be seated. Is it time? Is it time? I'll give you this question one more time. Is it time? That's quite different than what time is it? If I ask you what time is it, you would probably say something like, well, it's about five minutes past. Uh, you would say that. A few years ago, we had a clock that was sitting right here on this front pew. I have one on the pulpit today because I wanted to get it out of your reach. Uh, but, because Jerry Johnson would always come before church and he'd reach over and he'd just move that clock up a little bit. He'd say, Matt, I'm setting this on Ridgewood time. <laughs> what time is it? If I ask you what time it is, you would give me a clock and a calendar uh, time. That's one way of looking at time. Uh, this, this book of Haggai gives us one of the most precise datings for a word of prophecy in all of Scripture. You can boil it down to the day. You've got August 29th. You've got the year in the 500s. It just comes down to this moment. There's one way of looking at time that's clock and calendar. But that's not what we're talking about when we ask the question, is it time? The question, is it time, is about in-breaking moments. Things that penetrate clock and calendar and make a difference. Mold us and shape us. When someone is carrying a child coming toward the end of term, the question often circles around that mother-to-be, is it almost time? Is it almost time? Just this week, the Lahuachimans welcomed a little girl into their home. Friends had been asking them week after week, is it almost time? Well, there was a moment in the Lahuachimans' time where the clock and the calendar turned into a and the time was. Uh, when Meredith was carrying Molly Catherine, our, our doctor said, look, when your water breaks, you're gonna have plenty of time. Uh, so you probably just ought to go watch a movie or something and you know look down. And, 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 and Molly Catherine was born on a Wednesday at the time, Meredith was running the office at the church. She was running the, the, uh, the food pantry in the office. It was sort of a temporary deal. But she was, she was very, very committed, a very dutiful person. So when her water broke with Molly Catherine, she says, Matt, it's Wednesday. I said, I know, but your water just broke. She says, but we have not done the prayer guide. So she said, I want to go by the office and do the prayer guide before we go to the hospital. I said, surely Baptists can pray without a sheet of paper. It was not compelling, so we went by the office and we ran that prayer guide up. And uh, then we went by the hospital because it was time. It was time. Wes, 14 months later, came into this earth. We got to the hospital much quicker, Jackson, Mississippi. And that wonderful nurse that had helped deliver Molly Catherine was helping to deliver Wes. And she said, uh, Meredith, let's get one practice push in. It hadn't been that long And Meredith did, and she looked at me, her eyes as big as saucers. She says, I can deliver this baby if I have to. I said, Are you going to have to? She goes, I might. She said, Get me Dr. Travelstead. And she came in and put on the road and squatted down like a catcher and like Yogi Berra. She brought Wes into the world. (laughs) Why? Because it was time. It was time something was taking place, it was going to change everything. It was time. And I don't remember exactly what time it was on the clock. Some days I don't remember what calendar date it was. I'll be totally frank with you. But I know there was a moment in our family's life, two moments where out of nowhere it was time and everything changed. When we open the the prophecy here, we have God's people. They have returned to the land. They have come back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, to reestablish worship this was their, their charge. This was their challenge. Great historical events took place. They're coming out of exile. The second temple is going to arise and it's going to be by their hands, by their efforts under the grace of God. And, and they came back, they came back in a wave and they started the work and they got the bottoms done and they got them set and they had a great celebration. And then people got disappointed and then people started to fight against them. And it got super, super, super hard. And in the midst of their calling they got frustrated and they set down their hammers they set down their chisels they laid down their saws and they let the work lie dormant And they decided they would do something else. They decided, we've got to make the best of this bad situation, so let's give attention to our own dwellings. And they began to work on their own little houses, their their own little ticky-tack houses. They began to work on those little pink houses all over Jerusalem. uh, and, And it says, and they were paneled houses. Some translations say they were covered houses. They were complete. They were complete, but they were also paneled. They were were decorated and they were cared for and all those little ticky-tack houses took the attention of God's people and gave them something to do when they weren't working in the fields. They began to adorn their little houses with paneling. Paneling. We live in Waco, Texas, the shiplap capital of the world. (laughs) Paneling. Paneling's been a big deal for a long, long, long time. If you'd have had Fixer Upper Jerusalem Edition, everybody in that town would have watched it because they'd all been up in the hills to bring down the wood and make the paneling for their dwelling. All the construction site for the temple of God, while it laid quiet, not a saw not the ring of a hammer. But the home decor business was booming. And into this, Haggai comes, sent by God, and as he comes, they were talking amongst themselves around this community, and they're saying, look, it's not really time to start this work again. It's not really time, is it? I mean, I mean, we've got we've got grapes to grow, we've got wheat to thresh, we've got we've got paneling, we've got shiplap. They've been settling for the shiplap, and they were saying, it's not really time to rebuild the temple. And into this shiplap scenario, Haggai comes with this question. Is it time? Is it time to touch up your shiplap when the temple of God lies dormant? This echoes the question of King David who said, how can I dwell in this paneled home when the ark of God dwells in a tent? Haggai comes and he asks the question, is it time? and made them think about themselves and their way. And twice in the 11 verses, he tells them, consider your way of life. Think about your way of life. And he leads them into this, this conclusion, that it's always time to keep the main thing the main thing. You see, they were the people chosen by God to come and reconstruct the place of worship, the place of witness, the place that would be a light to the Gentiles, a gathering place for the tribes of Israel. They had been elected by God to do this work and they had lost their way and they had prioritized other things and they'd settled for the shiplap. And he said, consider, 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 consider your ways. Because it's always time to keep the main thing the main thing, because this brings pleasure to the Lord. This is for his glory, and this leads to our ultimate fruitfulness. Those were the reasons he gave. And those reasons are good, and they're contemporary, and they're for us today, because like then, now, it's always the right time to keep the main thing the main thing. And we, like them, often lose our way Disappointment or discouragement or challenge from outside helps us helps us to settle. Walker Percy in the movie Gore said of one of the characters, he settled with a vengeance. What a line. Quite often we as the children of God settle with a vengeance and we decorate our living rooms instead of living the wild and wonderful life God has called us to, as agents of His mercy, as partners with His grace, like them we should consider our way of life and recognize that life is found in the Lord, in the Lord alone, and that their reasons still hold true to us. So for just a few minutes let's look at the ones he gave beginning with this beautiful notion it's time to keep the main thing the main thing because it pleases God because it pleases God. Verse 8 he says go up into the hills and get wood and come back and start working again that God would be pleased. Now this was and is A controversial motivation to be part of what God is up to in the world there are people who say this God makes God into an egomaniac or someone with low self esteem or someone you have to scratch all the itches it makes God like a real twitchy mafia boss that if you don't kiss up to him enough everything goes wrong Uh, to to live for the pleasure of God is childish some people say there have been people who walked away from their faith because of this notion Brad Pitt was raised in a Christian home, and when he found out all these places in Scripture that call us to praise God, he just thought it made God sound like an egomaniac, and he walked away. When she was 27 years old, Oprah Winfrey did a similar thing. She just thought this whole thing made God too needy. You say, well, that's Hollywood religion. We can can dismiss that because they're famous American entertainers. C.S. Lewis struggled with the same blame idea. Before his conversion, this really tripped him out. This really, really made him struggle. This idea that we're to live for the pleasure of the Lord. And then then his life was, was beautifully transformed by Christ. And with fresh eyes, he went to the text. And in reading the Psalms, he recognized that in our praise to God, we are being who we've been made to be because God is God And this is just natural and normal for the people of God. It's pleasing to God and it's good for us. And then he said this. He says, the most obvious fact about praise, whether to God or anything, strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise, unless shyness or the fear of boring others is deliberately brought into check it. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians or scholars. I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious minds praised most, while the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised least. He said, go up there and get that wood and come back, because this pleases God. It gives God joy, and in that you find your joy. Friends, I've read John Piper since I could read stuff. And I've disagreed with him on a lot of it. I disagree with him on the stark Calvinism and the patriarchy. But one place where I think he gets it right is this crazy notion of Christian hedonism. He defines it like this: God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him. It's a wild thought that God is deeply pleased when we find our pleasure in Him. God had sent those people back, not to shake up the shiplap, but to build a temple for His honor and His glory. And they were living far below their place in His kingdom and economy. The psalmist would say it like this in Psalm 116, Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart for you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is my delight. Their sorrow shall be mustified who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings or blood I will not offer nor take up their names on my lips. O Lord, you are my portion, the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the right seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh will also rest in hope for you will not leave my soul in shale nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures. Pleasures evermore. God is a God of pleasure. Of soul burning pleasure. His will and His way is a way of pleasure. And when we're living out His call for us, our pleasures are pure and right and good. And He is pleased. When we live for the pleasure of the Lord, our lives are on fire with the pleasure of His grace. It's time to keep the main thing the main thing. Because it pleases God. It's time to keep the main thing the main thing because it glorifies God. It said, go up and get that wood. Come back. It will please me and it will glorify my name. You see, this temple was supposed to be a witness. A witness. Zechariah would come, chapter 8, verse 22. Yes, many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Isaiah 49.3, we have that the Messiah would be a light to the Gentiles and the one that would gather God's people Israel. That temple was to be a light of witness, a place for the glory of God to shine. We sang this morning of the truth of God in every tongue. And that was the point. They were polishing the paneling when God had called them to a global task to bring Him glory among the nations. And so often we polish the paneling in our life when God has called us to the world. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. And He's wild and wonderful and calls us, all us butchers and bakers and candlestick makers to join him in shining a light, a light for all to see, a light that makes clear the path of the way to God. It's always the right time to keep the main thing the main thing because there is much darkness and he's called us to be the light When I was a little kid they taught me to sing this little light of mine I'm going to let it shine let it shine I won't hide it under a bushel no I'm going to let it shine God had called those people to let a light shine and it was obstructed by the shiplap because they had settled he said quit settling go up to the hills get the wood Come back and get to work. And lastly, it's time to keep the main thing the main thing because it leads to true fruitfulness. Verse 10 and surrounding. He says, look, you filled up your purses and they have holes in them. You're working the fields, but you're not reaping like you thought. Why? Because I've blasted your fields. Now, if people are going to criticize Haggai, this is where they're going to criticize him. They're going to say, well, this is, this is the foundation for prosperity theology, yada, yada, yada. While there may be a shallow similarity to that, this is not what you've got. Because this doesn't turn God into some kind of vending machine, do this and this is what will happen. But it does honor this truth, one that we quickly dismiss, and that God is active in the lives of his sons and his daughters. Most of the time we think of God some kind of moralistic, therapeutic deism. Some kind of benevolent creator who just lets us do our stuff. And the Christian notion of God is that he loves us enough to get in our business. Get in our business. Said very plainly in Hebrews 2.12 that God disciplines his children, those that he loves. And this is a good thing not to despise it. He says, listen, you're lacking fruitfulness in your lives because God's meddling in your affairs. Because he loves you. He loves you. And he will not allow you to settle with a vengeance without his hard edge of grace rubbing up against that bad mistake. Plus, friends, it's just sort of hardwired into to being a follower of Christ. That there is no flourishing outside of the will and the way of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3.3, 3, Paul is chastising the church in Corinth. He says, listen, you're carnal. You're acting like mere humans. What a sentence. Think about that for a minute. How often do we say, well, I'm doing this because I'm just a human? Paul's like, sure, not good enough. Because you're not a mere human. You're one who's been touched by the grace of God. You're a daughter. You're a son of God. You're not a mere human. You're a child of God. There's something new and different and fresh for you. So you just can't get by with life like everybody else does. Because you belong to God. It's who you are. That's who he is, and life and flourishing is found inside of his will and his way. And there's no flourishing outside of it. So don't settle. Eugene Peterson told a great story once about some swallows, swallows, little birds. You know, all the good preachers like the birds, you know. John Stott, Peterson, they like the birds. One day he was watching some swallows. He'd seen the the mama swallow, tending to the nest he knew it was coming he knew the day he'd seen them coming with the worms he'd seen the whole nine yards you ever you ever watch this in a hanging basket at your house or somewhere so he has these swallows he watched this nest of swallows and and, and the and the swallows hatched the words were coming and it was time for them to fledge and, and 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 he watched it and the three little swallows in the nest first one gets out on the branch first one gets out on the branch and, and and parent swallows are there and they're on the branch too, and they're pushing a little swallow off the end of that branch, off the end of that branch, and that little swallow is just going down the branch, holding on the branch for dear life, until the swallow mama goes, and that little swallow, for the first time, uses those little wings, and the swallow flies. Second swallow, coming down the branch, coming down the branch, same story, second verse, little swallow flies. Swallow baby number three, been watching this whole scene from the nest. And when it was his turn, he got to that end of that branch and he held on for dear life. He had decided, I like this branch. This branch has been good to me. On this branch, I've had worms and I've had a nest and I've had a soft place to sleep. This nest is great. From this this nest, from this branch, I can see all the beautiful things I ever want to see. This branch is awesome. My brothers are gone. I'm staying. I got the nest to myself. Get some video games and play them. Get some Uber Eats to come by. I'm going to hang out on this branch. So when that little swallow got to the edge of that branch, he put a death grip on the branch like you would not believe. And that mother swallow who loved that little baby I believe birds love birds, don't you? I just believe that. I've seen too many birds. Goes to the edge of that branch and she takes her mama beak and she pecks the devil out of those little hands. And the pain of the mama exceeded the comfort of the branch. He let go. And he was flying. Let that mama know that that baby needed to know. That mama knew that baby was born to fly. That's who he was. He was a bird. He wasn't made to live his life on the branch. And neither are we to live our lives content with polishing shiplap when God has called us to the nations. So, let us collectively consider our way of life. Is it now time to keep the main thing the main thing? It is time. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for being who you are. And we thank you for calling us to life. To real, abundant life in Christ. Lord, as we come to the end of this worship service today, as we come to a hymn of decision, Lord, there may be someone here who in considering their way, considering their life, have been struggling with a a, a public decision uh, for you, maybe a confessed faith to be baptized, or maybe some family has been praying about whether this is the church, and they've come to the place in their heart of hearts where they feel like, yes, this is where God wants me to serve and worship. Lord, I pray that they would make that public and real and personal today. All of us in our own ways, Lord, have to consider our way of life again and again and again. There's so many places of settling and compromise that we've grown grown at peace with. Lord, Lord, peck at our talons. Push us off the branch. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing and respond as the Lord would lead us.